0: How about this? A new off-season edition of BetQLU presented by BetQL on Twitter at BetQL App. Download the BetQL App today and use promo code Daily. That's promo code Daily for twenty percent off any subscription. BetQL helps you beat the sports book and it assists you, a sports batter of all types, from the first-time batters to a hardcore better, making more informed betting decisions using data and analytics. BetQL's algorithms analyze over three hundred fifty thousand. Unique bets every year in real time to help you get an edge over the sports books. BetQL tells you which side professional bettors are picking, provides real time line movement and historical betting results. Get started today at betql.com, also available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. My man, Reed Wallach, in for the alien Tom Casale at Reed Wallach on Twitter. I, of course, am Eli Erskovich at Eli Erskovich on Twitter. This is the BetQLU QLU podcast, a college basketball betting podcast. And Reed, I got it started off with saying the last article we did on college basketball, you picked Gonzaga. I picked Baylor to win it all. Or I picked Baylor to cover against the spread. And that's all that matters. My bet cashed, your bet lost.
1: Yeah, uh, you know, it was a good old fashioned boat race from the jump. Uh, you know, I would attribute it as just complete wrong side. Um, Gonzaga just... Looked like they were honestly a little let down after uh, after the UCLA game, the Jalen sucks half court buzzer beater. Maybe I didn't factor that in enough. I believed in Gonzaga all year. I thought they were the best team and you know, Hey, the better team won that night. I don't know if that happens every time they play, you know, Gonzaga I don't think this should be like an indictment on Gonzaga. This, these were two great teams that played and Baylor was the better team that night. And you know, hey, wrong side, but it was a profitable season. It stinks to kind of come out on a loss, but hey, it was nice to open Ken Palm again this morning and kind of look at some things again. It was nice.
0: No doubt, no doubt. Reed, Tom, and myself, we cleaned up during the NCAA tournament, a pretty good betting, what, month in college basketball, and we hope you profited listening to the podcast and checking out our articles on odyssey.com and also betql.co. Again, you could download the BetQL app in the apple app store google play so good place to start with gonzaga the runner up in the national title game losing to baylor baylor leading by pretty much double digits after the first five minutes and onward so gonzaga after getting the number one overall recruit in the 2021 recruiting class they get Chet holmgren who's a really athletic big and they're not plus 550 plus 600 at most books my issue with Gonzaga going its next year is you're getting them hard back, most likely. Drew Timmy is most likely coming back. I don't know how he goes to the draft after getting exposed in the title game against that Baylor interior defense. But what happened in the title game was kind of what I thought, which is why it was even more vindicating, like betting Baylor, because the bet hit, the bet cashed pretty easily a no sweat Baylor plus four and a half. But Baylor dominated in the way that I thought. Their athleticism. They beat Gonzaga off the dribble at both ends of the floor. They got in the passing lane. I don't see how Gonzaga's defense, like they might get to the Final Four again, especially with homegrown. Can switch pretty much at every position, not just an offensive threat. It's not just going to be your typical Mark Few offensive team. But defensively, like Baylor has really had really athletic guards with Jared Butler, Davion Mitchell, Macy Oteague, and even Jonathan Tomatachua. They had athletic bigs that can get into the passing lane. They disrupted pretty much from the jump. Like, I would say maybe 50% of Gonzaga's offensive sets where the Bulldogs weren't able to get comfortable. How does that change again? How is Gonzaga able to match up against that type of athleticism when they don't have it themselves? That's the problem to me going into next season, is if you want to take a Gonzaga future, right now at plus 550, number one, where's the value? Number two, how are they improving at both ends of the floor when you match up against a team like that?
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I don't see value in taking Gonzaga future right now. Maybe midseason. I mean, this team is still going to be an offensive juggernaut with Timmy inside Holmgren's ability to stretch the floor. I mean, he put up video game like numbers this past year in high school. He shot, I think, eighty percent from the field. I mean, he is he's an elite offensive player. And look, Nemhart is solid. He's a game manager. I would say they have another top fifteen recruit coming in, Hunter Salas, who is going to help, but. I agree with you. This isn't going to be a team that's going to st- is going to generate a ton of stops. So is that that could run into an issue in the tournament when the game slows down, when a high ball pressure Baylor team, you know, not Baylor exactly, but a Baylor S team comes into play. So right now would not touch Gonzaga. I think that there's more value in kind of the teens right now, actually. Now, before
0: we bring on a very special guest, the head coach of Kansas State men's basketball, Bruce Weber, going to join myself and Reed Wallach on by QLU. Read your favorite transfer in the college basketball offseason thus far because it doesn't have to be a uh, transfer that turns a team into a title contender, even though there have been some of those so far. Just a, a fun one from a betting perspective, from a team that might have some value going into next year. The one that stands out to me, just because I, I love the guy, he's like 6'10, he's got Great hair, and they have a new coach in Porter Moser who can work with Biggs really well. It's Tanner Groves, the Eastern Washington transfer. They're also bringing in the Duke guard Goldwire, who's a really good defensive guard. That honestly should be a pretty good pickup, even though you're losing Reeves and and Harmon, who are really good scorers and guys that can handle the ball. You bring in a guard with experience who could also handle it in Goldwire. But I love what Porter Moser did with Cameron Crutwig at Loyola, and I know Groves is a different four, but he's also more versatile and he could stretch the floor. He could also handle the ball as a point forward, like around the elbow. So I I know Oklahoma is going to be different next year, losing Brady Manick groves against Kansas twice under Porter Moser, even though the jury is still out on Moser as a potential up and coming division one coach at, at that kind of a a program and that kind of a conference. But I love the fit for, from a a player coach standpoint.
1: No, definitely. And, you made a great point about Groves maybe being more of a step out on the perimeter threat versus Crutwig, who is more of a on the block operate from there. So I agree. I love that move. Porter Moser, Porter Moser's pressing all the right buttons so far in Norman. One for me, and I mean, I'm a Big Ten guy. I went to Wisconsin. I'm not high on their future, but so Brad Davison. Yeah, no, not Brad. I wish he'd transfer. I'd go anywhere else. But um, you know, Jamari Wheeler at Ohio State, I think is gonna be an instant impact. Uh, point guard. He's coming from Penn State, so he's familiar with the Big Ten. And coming into Ohio State, that's going to have EJ Liddell back, going to have Dwayne Washington back, Zed Key going to get more minutes. So I'm bullish on this Ohio State team, especially early in the year. I think that they could really rise quickly. They really fell off at the end of the year, but I think that they're going to come on strong early at least, and you can maybe get ahead of the market. I mean, they're kind of towards the top. They're in kind of that top 10 shortest odds, but I mean, you're looking at Michigan, Purdue, Ohio State. Those are going to be really strong teams. And I like this Wheeler transfer a lot.
0: Yeah. Ohio State has the seventh shortest odds or tied for the seventh shortest mm-hmm. odds with UCLA at 16 to one, Purdue right behind them at 20 to one. My issue with Ohio State is just going back to the Oral Roberts game defensively like you have all this talent coming in wheeler to your point is a better on ball defender and we'll touch on that we already hit on it with baylor but we'll get into defensive schematics with bruce weber a little bit in terms of how much that matters at the lead guard spot defensively it does matter to Ohio state and they didn't have a guy that could stop one of the best scores in the tournament and max ace who lit everybody up and almost knocked out arkansas at the buzzer in the sweet 16 the team i like out of the big 10 though the most is Purdue, and they're bringing everybody back. We had an article up on that QL about the odds that had the most value going into next year's NCAA tournament, next year's college basketball season. I got Purdue at twenty-five to one, and I usually don't bet a college basketball title feature in April, but those odds are shrinking everywhere. Like they're thirteen to one at Camby, and they're twenty to one over at our friends at BetMGM. Ohio State sixteen to one at BetMGM too. Gonzaga, we mentioned them earlier, plus five fifty. Purdue bringing everybody back besides Aaron Wheeler. Trevion Williams, to my knowledge, is coming back. Eric Hunter, if he improves his shot selection, if his shot jumper is refined a little bit. Jaden Ivy, man, like that's the key. I think he's, I don't want to go as far as saying he's college basketball's next superstar, but he has all the tools to be a three-level scorer. If his jumper improves like it did, he scored around 17 points a game over his last seven or eight games. We saw him take over against North Texas in that overtime loss in the first round of the tournament, you lose a coin flip game to North Texas. Yes. They lost to Villanova in the second round. It was without Gillespie, but it's still a coin flip game in the tournament with a ton of variants. So you want to, you want to yell at Matt painter for losing another first round game and say, I'm not betting Purdue. I posted the article on Twitter last week about how I like Purdue next year. I got like six tweets saying, can't bet on Matt painter. What are you doing? You're wasting your money. Say the same thing about Scott drew. Say the same thing about Tony Bennett, the last two, college basketball champs
1: yeah no i mean ivy reeks of by like next january like draft express will post a mock draft with him in the top 20 like he reeks of having a big big year it's gonna be really good yeah and it's funny because i had this list of like coaches i will never bet on and matt painter is on that list but it seems like it just like you can't do it until you do it you know you have to it's like a prove me wrong type thing it's that guy with the mug like change my mind so Listen, Scott, Drews you love,
0: you live for that gift or
1: whatever uh, yeah, it is. I mean, I would, that was, they didn't prove me wrong. They are who I thought they were. So I, for you next year, will go in with an open mind with Purdue because they are bringing back a lot of guys. And listen, the big 10 is going to be a bloodbath just like last year. And maybe that overrates the like the conference as a whole. And that kind of happened in the tournament. It's going to be an interesting thing to suss out. I mean, just really quickly, the third team in there for me is Michigan. They should bring back Hunter Dickinson. They're going to have Eli Brooks back. Uh, we'll see how the rest of it works. I mean, they have the number one recruiting class. Going back to Gonzaga, they have two. Michigan has one. Juwan Howard's an emerging star as a coach. So I'm interested to see how the Big Ten kind of works itself out, you know, especially as a Wisconsin guy, because Wisconsin will be far from the top. i can assure to you that.
0: Where will <laughs> Nate Reavers be playing basketball overseas?
1: Um, Istanbul. Oh,
0: well. <laughs> Good luck to him. <laughs> well, Michigan, by the way, is plus 800, second shortest odds over at Bet MGM to win the national title next year. I know we got a long way to go. We're talking about almost a full calendar year. That is Reed Wallach at Reed Wallach on Twitter. I'm Eli Hirskovich. Coming up next, we'll bring down the head coach of Kansas State men's basketball and 23 years on the college basketball, head coaching sidelines. Bruce Weber joins us next on BetQLU.
1: Odyssey is here, cheering on your teams right alongside you. Sometimes that's your favorite team, and sometimes it's the rival team, but you bet them to win. Let BetQL's expert analysis lead you to more cheering and more winning. BetQL looks at every game and every potential bet and ranks them on a scale of one to five stars. Their five-star bets are your most profitable opportunities and have shown real proven results. Get better at betting. Download the BetQL app or visit BetQL.com BetQL, an Odyssey company.
0: Now we are pleased to be joined by the head men's basketball coach over at Kansas State. Twenty-three years in the college basketball head coaching ranks, Bruce Weber on Twitter at Coach Bruce Weber. Coach, first question for you: If one of our final listeners tweets you
2: after the show, will you respond? <laughs> it depends what they what they what they say. I'll be honest. No, I I try to keep up with it when I can. If uh, and if, But it's got to be appropriate, and it's got to be something that uh, is not too negative. Of course. We'll keep that in mind. We'll let the, our listeners know on Twitter
0: before they get into your mentions. But first up here, want to ask you about the defending national champion, Baylor Bears, or the national champs, because you faced them in the quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament, gave them a very competitive game. They go on lose to Oklahoma State in the semifinal, and then they just turn it on, seemingly, especially defensively, going back to that three week COVID layoff that they were on and then what you saw in the tournament, what happened to this Baylor team, especially on the defensive end? It's called practice.
2: And that's plain and simple. Um, I I actually talked to Scott uh, drew after they lost Oklahoma state uh, that on a, I think it was that Saturday night, or maybe it was, they lost on Friday and then Saturday night I talked to him and I, I just told him I'm a good friend. I've known him a long time. I said, Scott, You know, we're way better than we were when you beat us by infinity during the year, but (laughs) your defense has got to get picked up, man, or otherwise you're not going to win a national championship. And, you know, to their credit, and he said it at the time, he said, coach, you know how many days we practiced in the last, last month? And he said three days. And it just, you know, it's like anything else. It happened to us early in the season. We got hit. We, out of our first 30 days of practice, we only had seven guys for seven seven or seven guys for 23 days. So the other, the other, the other seven days, we we didn't have enough to, we had 10 guys. So you can't practice, you can't play basketball. Somebody asked me after one of our first games, they said it looked like you didn't practice. I said, we did it. And they like looked at me and it like in the, you know, when we're doing the Zoom press conference, they said, what do you mean? I said, <laughs> we didn't practice. You can't play unless you have 10 guys. So, you know, and, and that's, you know, you, people just didn't understand fans, didn't understand media, didn't understand, you know, basketball does, you just can't turn it on like that. And, you know, maybe the elite elite NBA guys, but as a team, you got to practice together and you got to get it together. And, and that's what they did. They got, they got to Indianapolis, they got some practice time in and, and they went at it and they, they were really good. Uh, they they were so good defensively. They were good offensively, and they got guys that are going to get drafted. But, man, when they were good defensively and locked in,
0: they were special. When you watched that Baylor-Gonzaga game, and Reed and I were just hitting on this. Baylor's ball pressure, like it's one of my favorite words in college, basketball. And they disrupted every single Gonzaga possession. How tough is that, like especially that Baylor backcourt with Davion Mitchell, Jared Butler. Davion Mitchell seemingly the best. Defensive guard in college basketball, Macy O'Teague, Tama Atachua had a couple of big plays to create turnovers. Like what is it about Scott Drew's no-middle defense that causes
2: problems and also from a development standpoint, too, with those guards? Well, I think one, you got older guys. And one of the things in college basketball is to stay old. Now Gonzaga had a mixture. They had some old guys, they had some, some younger guys. But the second thing I don't think people appreciate, and I know you're going to probably get into the new rule with the transfer, not only experience and being older, but it's being together as a group. And those guys have been together as a group, and they've developed over the three-year period, and their defense got better. And then to, to Scott's credit and his, his staff's credit, they kind of took a little bit of different people in our, in our league. Um, our league defense, we got really good coaches. And, and they, they keep it. They, if you get it on the side, you're done. You're not getting it off the side. They switch ball screens. They ice ball screens. They do things you don't go against on a daily basis. So with Gonzaga, if they haven't faced that, and then they got to face, you know, in one day, try to prepare, they had no chance. And, and then when you add into it, you got three elite guards, really four flaggers pretty good too. That are bought into defense, and and when you it starts with Mitchell with ball pressure, it's kind of a lost art. But man, he took pride in it. Butler was really good at it, and even Teague at times could could really change the uh, the dynamics of a game. And then you get some other athletes like Vital and Chachua that could make a difference. Um, it's tough to go against, and especially with a one day prep.
1: Yeah, definitely coach and you made a point right now or right there about the transfer portal and obviously this year was, you know, extenuating circumstances but this offseason 1400 plus names are in the transfer portal and a lot of teams are finding success where they're hitting on these transfers and really integrating them well. Do you see this as the new way of college basketball where you got to do well in the portal, or is this kind of due to the COVID year that we just had. Well, I hope
2: it has to do with extenuating certain stances, to be honest. Uh, we all knew it was going to be, it was going to change college basketball. But when you add COVID into it, you add the extra season into it for the seniors. Um, it's, it's, it's even way beyond what we thought it would be. I, you know, if you, I talked to old coaches, obviously, our old, us old funny duds, you know, we don't like change. But I talked to my young guys, guys that played for me, guys in their 20s, and they said, Coach, we, we can't do this. This is horrible. And if you talk to low majors, they're losing guys. You talk to high majors, they're losing guys. So it's it's really changed the dynamics of college basketball, there's no doubt. And I and I hope, I hope it's a fad. I hope it's a you know a couple year thing where you know, guy, and then they realize, hey, I need to stay at a place and develop and be part of a winner. You know, uh, one of the NBA scouts, we always have guys come in and talk to our teams. And one of them came in. You know what? One of the biggest common denominators are of guys that have been drafted in the last 10 years. Go for they it. have transferred. There was only like 15. It was like, I'm going to tell you 3% of guys that dra- were drafted that didn't, that transfer. So it, you know, now obviously with all these guys transferring, somebody's going to have to get drafted. So you might, it might change it a little bit, but you know what, the, one of the other common denominators is playing in the NCAA tournament, 85% of the guys drafted in that period played the NCAA tournament. And then another 65 of that 85, won games. So, you know, it's like anything else. I'm, I'm going to interview a coach. If he's gone to three or four schools, I'm going to worry about him. What the heck? Are, you know, are, you know, are you getting run out? What are you, you got a bad attitude? Whatever. Um, it's the same thing. The NBA, you know, they're looking for reasons not to pick you. And if you've been this school, this school, that school, and and you're not coachable, I'm not sure they're going to invest many millions of dollars into you. So we'll see what happens with it. Um, it'll be interesting, but it's definitely changed and. Uh, you know, I said, Oh, funny dead coaches. We lost three. We traded for three. So we'll see if we got the the better side of it.
0: And those three that you picked up on a couple key ones, at least in terms of notable names, Mark Smith from Missouri, Noel from Little Rock. And then you also picked up a Wake Forest uh, prospect as well. So in terms of what you're bringing in, because Reed and I were hitting on this as well before we, we got going on the podcast, your team was a ton of fun to watch down the stretch, especially in the first round of the Big 12 tournament against TCU with Pack and McGurl, really good guards that could score and stretch the floor and, and get to the rim. And now you get even more guards. So, what are you thinking in terms of next year and your prospects of contending in the Big 12 and, and making the NCAA tournament, getting back to Field of 64?
2: I think we should be pretty good, to be honest. And I just told our guys, we just had workouts. I just left there. We got one more week of workouts and we've had a great spring. They've been very, very focused. And, and, you know, this is not easy. The whole year has not been easy, but um, I think we have a chance to be pretty good. You know, you throw in, we beat Oklahoma down the stretch. Oklahoma played Gonzaga pretty well, to be honest. And, um, you know, so not only, you know, Pack's really good. McGurl will be coming back for a 50-year. So Miguel had a really good finish. One of the, he's He's got a chance to be like Mitchell. I mean, he's a big-time defender. You look at – some of the things he did to the better guards in our league the second half of the season, he, he was huge on the defensive end. Uh Damia, Davion Bradford uh had a huge game against Baylor, a legit big guy. Um, uh, he he was my biggest surprise of the season. So uh, you know, we got we got good group and then brought in these guys. Uh, you know, Mark Smith, a veteran guy. We recruited him twice. Finally, we got him the third time. Uh, Ish can really shoot. And then Noel brings a really dynamic little point guard, some, some speed to help us. So uh, I, I think we can be pretty good. We are good defensively down the stretch. We didn't score well enough. Hopefully uh, a year of experience and some new guys will help us be a little better on the offense then.
1: Yeah, definitely, Coach. And, you know, Chris Beard moving to Texas from Texas Tech, but you also welcome in Porter Moser to Norman, another just great coach. What do you think about the conference as a whole? Because, I mean, this past year, the Big 12 is arguably the best. I mean, it had the national champion. So it might be the best conference of college basketball. Are you expecting another ultra-competitive season?
2: Well, every year since I got here, I keep thinking it can't get better. And it keeps getting better. I, I you know, And I, I thought three years ago um, when we had, what did we have, four in the uh, Sweet 16 and three in the lead Eight, and then Kansas went on to the Final Four. That year, I really thought all 10 teams should have played in the NCA. were capable. And it was the best I had been part of. And, you know, I was in the big 10 as an assistant. You said 20 some years. I was also an assistant for 19 years. So I'm an old dude, but uh, I, I, you know, we had a couple, we had some years where when I started in the big 10, it was really, really good, but you always had two or three that weren't good, but uh, our league top to bottom has been special. We guard, we got great coaches, uh, we got draft choice guys, so we got elite athletes, and uh, I don't think we get as much credit as we should. And you know, I think it, it's seven of the nine that I've been here. We've been number one RPI or or uh, or or the net ratings, and the other two we are number two. So that's pretty good. So what I, can we be better next year? We'll see. We, we've uh, we, we're going to lose a lot of good players but it just seems like we keep coming back and surprising
0: people. You mentioned how, how long you've been in the college basketball coaching ranks and one of your former assistants, Matt Painter, who was on your SIU staff going back to 98 to 2003, obviously the head men's basketball coach at Purdue. I'm very high on Purdue going into the next year, assuming Travion Williams comes back. They're bringing everybody back besides Wheeler. The perception of Matt Painter, it kind of goes back to Scott Drew, Tony Bennett, how, Your average college basketball fan doesn't think these coaches, because they haven't had success, can then have success in the NCAA tournament. I think Purdue is a team that can win the Big Ten and can then win the NCAA tournament. What do you make of this Purdue team and Matt Painter overall as a coach and his full body of work?
2: I'll add to it. Not only did he was my assistant, I also recruited him and coached him. So I'm real old. So it's... uh, (laughs) But and he was and he was uh, if he's on the next time, just ask him about his defense. He was one of the worst defensive players we ever coached. I'll, I'll be honest about that thing. We'll so, keep that abide. Yeah, he 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 was a good he was a good passer. He was smart. He told Glenn Robinson. Big dog, you don't have to shoot every time. I promise you, I'll get it back to you. I know you're a good player. So uh, he was smart enough that you could tell he was a good coach even back then. But, you know, Matt's got a chance. I I coached Travion Williams with USA Basketball when we won the world championships. And great kid. You know, like everyone, you know, he thinks he can shoot some threes and do some of that stuff. But, you know, if they get him back and he has the right mindset, um, you know, again, what I talked about with Baylor, it's not only experience and getting old, but also that, that continuity of staying together as a group. And that's, that's where, that's why I think, you know, you had a, in Baylor that made a big difference. And I think it, it can make a big difference for Purdue. I hope it makes a big difference for us now. We'll see how many, you know, our mix of new guys, can they help? But I, I think that's, it's, it's important and, you know, Matt's done unbelievable. You know, I, I, a couple times if, a few years ago, I, I told him, I said, maybe you need need to think about leaving, Matt, you know, because you lose the first round a couple of times and people are on you and, you know, get out before the posse gets you. But, um, you know, he's stuck with it. He, stay, he's, he, he knows what he's doing. He's an intelligent coach. He, he recruits great kids that want to develop and uh, he's done well. So I expect them to be really good next year. So within the coaching
0: ranks, and I'm sure you're going to have one of these nights, kind of in the offseason, even though you guys are you know, still going through workouts and stuff like that, where you're going to maybe sit around with some big 12 coaches, uh, drink a beer, tell a story from being a tumultuous COVID college basketball season. What's your funniest story from this past college basketball year?
2: Oh, I don't know. I'd have to, I wish you would ask me before. I could have thought about it, but I I'm I'll be honest just the 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 whole thing just going through even the first day we got back in the gym with masks. you you marched the guys in you were afraid to talk to them you were afraid you know it was it was hard people don't realize my first road trip man I I was I hadn't been on a plane my wife gave me air purifiers and masks, double masks. I had wipes and going in the hotel I'm spraying the room I mean it's just because you didn't know you know it's just I was afraid to eat, you know, around the players. I mean, I, I just, I didn't want to get COVID and, and that was one of my goals. I wanted to get through the season. Um, You know, so it it was hard with that, but you know, we just, we just did our best. Uh, You know, it's, I thought it was a couple of times. We were getting our butts kicked. We got like five, six guys playing a walk on, and we're getting our butts kicked in a really good league. And, and some of the other teams, the other players are like, let's not, you know, we're kicking their butt and all this, talking trash to us. I'm like, we got five guys. We got six guys. What do you, like, come on, dude. I I, I don't say much, and I didn't say anything, but I, 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 I will remember it next year if we're, if we're pretty good. I promise you that.
0: All right. So which coach that are you keeping in your head a little bit that talks and trash and you're ready to come back at next year?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's just, you, you, you know, it, it was a long, hard year and, uh, you know, we all survived. They kept saying I laughed because they said it was it was the year, you know, it was just get through the year. It didn't count all that stuff. Well, and then we got what nearly 60 coaches fired. Uh, you know, what is it? You said fourteen hundred now in the portal. So obviously it mattered to somebody. It, it changed college basketball, but uh, we made it through and we made the, our, our group survive. We lost to a division two team. When you say funny, I, I don't know if it was funny at the time, but we lost to a division two team and, and, but we came back to our guy's credit. A week later, we won at Iowa State and I, and I told one of my assistant ADs, you know, he, he said, you better win this thing because we just added it as an extra game. And I said, I'm just doing this because I need to play some guys who haven't played basketball. And, and you know, it helped us down the road. It wasn't fun at the moment, but uh, Fort Hayes State, they're, they're still celebrating, and then Hayes, Kansas, I know that.
0: If you're ever looking for some motivation, Coach, going back to that Iowa State game, after the Division II loss, you guys were eight-and-a-half-point underdogs. So the market <laughs> didn't respect you. I respected <laughs> you. Reed respected you. I'll leave it at that. Um, coach, we appreciate the time. Uh, At Coach Bruce Weber on Twitter, the Kansas State men's basketball coach, 23 years in the head coaching ranks at Coach Bruce Weber on Twitter. Great conversation with Bruce Weber and tweet at him, please. No obscenities. Let's let's keep it on the chiller side on Twitter. He might respond. Probably won't, but he might. I, I think the biggest takeaway and it wasn't really something he said. Tom Casale, I know, is a big fan of this team going into next year getting no well. So you have another guard coming in. You have Mark Smith. If he develops any sort of a jump shot, it probably doesn't happen just because, I mean, he's been in college for so long. I don't know how it really improves, but maybe the shot selection improves a little bit. You have Pack McGurl. They're loaded in the backcourt. Weber mentioned a frontcourt piece that is a pretty good defensive presence. I think this Kansas state team is going to present some betting value on a game by game basis.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you look at their Kempom, they were 336 in experience this year. I mean, McGraw is basically their only upperclassman. He's coming back. So you're getting a whole nother year with two impact transfers. Uh, This is definitely a team on the rise in Kansas State. And you could just see Coach Weber kind of good mojo. I mean, of course, he's going to portray confidence, but it just seemed like he was, you know, excited about this team and where they're going. And they finished strong. I mean, they upset Oklahoma. They were, I believe, a double digit dog in that game. They beat TCU in the big 12 title. So this was, they, this team ended on a high note and it does seem like they're going to have some continuity that coach Weber was talking about. So in a competitive big 12, this might be that scrappy kind of middle of the road team that on the right night could pull some upsets.
0: You wonder if he bet on his own team. I'm just kidding. We're not going to get into that. <laughs> going back to that, that Iowa state game. That is Reed Wallach on Twitter at Reed Wallach. I'm Eli Herskovich. Fun Beck podcast. Who knows when we'll uh, do another, but we'll probably have another coach on at some point in the offseason. So be sure to stay subscribed to the Beck podcast. Remember to rate and review the podcast and maybe we'll get a Beck QLU t-shirt. Who knows this offseason? So for Reed Wallach, for the sick, tired, and dazed Tom Casale, I'm Eli Erskiewicz. for another edition of Beck QLU presented by Beck